Donnie. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Nobody brought any tomatoes or nothing, didn't they? No, just, just kidding. Um, this has been on my uh, heart for a while, quite a while, actually. Uh, longer than a while. <laughs> Let's put it that way. This message has. Uh, putting it together was a little bit different than I thought it would be. Uh, but uh, I want to read Psalms 12 first before I even get into it. And uh, what it is, is, is the theme from David, you know, the proud and lying words of people versus the true and pure words of God. And it's a call for protection against those who try to manipulate us, which anybody's got Facebook or pays any attention to the news or pays any attention to anything, we are trying to be manipulated, or we are being manipulated all the time by everybody, by false stuff and everything, and we, we get it in our head and it's hard to get out. But so I just want to read this verse, or this, actually it's the whole, it's only eight verses, but Psalms 12. It says, Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful had vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says, We will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. So that kind of goes along with uh, the message. It, it, I really didn't have a title, but Steve wanted one to put up there, so I said, our purpose and in complacency. What is our purpose here? Well, before we were God, or before we were born, God planned this moment in our life. No accident. Ephesians 1, verse 11 says, In Christ that we find out who we are, and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It all starts with God. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Colossians 1.16. Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, life has no meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance or hope. In the Bible, there were many different people who expressed their hopelessness. If you remember, Isaiah complained that I have labored to no purpose. I spent my Strength in vain and for nothing. Job, he cried, 
Oh, my life drags by day after a hopeless day, and I give up. I am tired of living. Leave me alone. My life makes no sense. The greatest tragedy that we know is not death, but life without purpose. If you have felt hopeless, hold on. Wonderful things can happen in your life as we begin to live it on purpose again. I think we've kind of forgotten that. But without a clear purpose, you're going to keep changing directions, jobs, relationships, churches, or other externals, hoping each change will settle the confusion or fill an emptiness in your heart. You think maybe this time it will be different, but it doesn't solve the real problem, a lack of focus and purpose. C.S. Lewis, Lewis sorry, observed, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. The Bible says we should not fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's a fatal mistake to assume that God's goal for your life is material prosperity or popular success, as the world defines it. The abundant life has nothing to do with material abundance, and faithfulness to God does not guarantee success in a career or even in ministry. We should never focus on temporary crowns. Paul was faithful, yet he ended up in prison. John the Baptist, he was faithful, he was beheaded. Millions of faithful people have been martyred, have lost everything, or come to the end of life with nothing to show for it. But the end of life is not the end. This world is not my home. A home is community, and community requires commitment. Only the Holy Spirit can create real fellowship between believers, but it's cultivated with the choices and the commitments we make. Paul points out this responsibility when he says, you are joining together with peace through the Spirit, so make every effort to continue together in this way. It takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving Christian community. Nothing on earth is more valuable to God than his church. We need to protect the unity of our church. We must passionately love the church in spite of its imperfections. Millions of believers are plagued with spiritual anorexia, starving to death from spiritual malnutrition. To be a healthy disciple of Jesus, feeding on God's word must be your first priority. The Bible must always have the first and last word in your life. Many of our troubles occur because we based our choices on unreliable authorities, such as culture. Well. Everyone's doing it, so or tradition. Well, we've always done it that way. Let's not forget reason. Well, it seemed logical, you know. And then there, the last one, the emotion. It just felt right. So what we need is a perfect standard that will never lead us in the wrong direction. Only God's word meets that need. Solomon reminds us every word of God is flawless. 
And Paul explains everything in the scriptures is God's word. It's not enough just to believe the Bible. We must fill our minds with it so that the Holy Spirit can transform us with the truth. Five ways you can do this. You can receive it, read it, research it, remember it, and reflect on it. Truly happy people are those who carefully forget what they heard, but they obey what God's teaching says. Those who do this will be happy. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For all our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. A Madame Guyon said, It is the fire of suffering that brings forth the gold of godliness. Philippians 1.6, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. It takes time, and we are slow learners. We're put on earth to make a contribution. We weren't created just to consume resources, to eat, breathe, take up space. God designed us to make a difference with our lives. The path of a Christian is not an easy one. It's narrow, it's full of ups and downs, twists and turns, double backs, and sometimes agony, slow progress. As Christians, we face many challenges and fight many enemies like jealousy, pride, anger, fear, and complacency. The second part of my, where I'm going with it. Complacency is what my message basically is all about. First couple pages were kind of a lead in and what our purpose here is for. In case you're not sure what complacency is, it's defined as a healing or a feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try and make things better. I believe we as a church have become complacent. Revelations 3.15 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17 says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Some believers falsely assume what numerous material possessions are a sign of God's spiritual blessing. But what the Ledosians could see sin by had become more valuable to them than what is unseen and eternal. But no matter how much you focus on how much money you make, you have nothing without a vital relationship with Christ. So we have become complacent to just sit back and be presented with a worship service. We become passive participants. This is gonna hurt, I gotta say it, we can't even get enough participants to even have a business meeting. Complacent Christians are a win for the devil. So let's throw off complacency and follow after Christ. 
Complacency towards Christ can lead people to relegate the status of God in their lives and lose their sense of dependency on him. It can cause a gradual loss of faith through an increase in the sin of pride, which is at the root of all evil. Complacency spells a lack of care. Now here's, a, is it actually complacency or contentment? Because being content means being happy. Being complacent means refusing to work to improve. It's a fine line. Sometimes we, we're in here, we're, we're content because of how things are going. So that, that's a fine line. Complacency spells a lack of care. It means you become so secure that you stop trying. Instead, you go through the motions. And it's easy to see why faith often breeds an issue like this. So I have my faith. You know, why do I need to do anything else? Why do I have to pay attention to what our purpose is here for? See, you know, it's, it's an issue. It's, it's easy to see. We should all feel secure in our Lord's love, but that doesn't mean we should stop working to feel its benefits. And place to see is a bad place to be with the Lord. Proverbs 1.32, for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit speaking expressionly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We are called to serve God, our call to salvation, including our call to service. They are the same. Regardless of your job or career, we are called to a full-time Christian service. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. What happens when part of your body fails to function? You get sick. The rest of the body suffers. Imagine if your liver decided to start living for itself. Say, hey, I'm tired. I don't want to serve the body anymore. I want a year off just to be fed. I've got to do what's best for me. Let some other part take over. What would happen? Your body would die. And look around in here. What's happening in here? Today, thousands of local churches are dying because of Christians who are unwilling to serve. They sit on the sidelines as spectators and the body suffers. For Christians, service is not optional. Something to be tucked under our schedules, if we can spare the time, it is the heart of Christian life. Most of the time, we are more interested in serve us than service. We say, I'm looking for a church that meets my needs and blesses me. We expect others to serve us, not vice versa. The mature follower, Jesus stops asking who's going to meet my needs. It starts asking whose needs can I meet? At the end of your life on earth, you will stand before God and he is going to evaluate how well you served others in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I don't know how it happens. Maybe we just get too busy and consumed with our own affairs but we easily take you, your goodness, and your blessings for granted. Every day we need to remember that we are sinners and Jesus died for us in our place on that cross. 
We desperately need you, Lord. When we become complacent in our faith, we become self-focused and overlook our mistakes and transgressions. Instead, let us be the people that take sin seriously and live our lives fully, rejoicing in our salvation. Help us not to be complacent about the fate of those who don't know you. Thank you, Lord, for all you are and all you have done through Jesus. Amen. Mark, you want to sing another song? A happy song. <laughs> <laughs>